Hey folks, Tim here. Welcome to the podcast edit of this week's Talkie Bit. I wanted to put a very brief intro on this one because it might feel a little bit different than what you're used to if you regularly check in on our podcasts. A couple of times a month in our in-person gatherings, we do something called an Alt.Sunday. Alt.Sunday just means anything could happen. It's open season on what we're going to do. Might be more presentational, might be more discussion oriented, might be film based, might be based on a piece of literature, an essay, might, like, who knows? Anything could happen on an Alt Dot Sunday. This particular week, Karen Johnson, who's a member of our community and an educator by profession, recapped a course that she took on the act of happiness, the things that we can do that actually tend to produce more happiness for us. A bunch of the content, especially in the front end of the recap, is also about things that we tend to think will make us happier, but that when we measure the outcomes, actually don't. I won't say any more about it than that, because Karen does a great job of recovering all of that ground and laying it out for us in very uh, easily assimilated ways. Super helpful and well worth your time. Enough intro. Here's Karen. This is a course I took through Coursera. Um, So technically, yes, I am a Yale grad now of of one course. (laughs) But... But I, but I did actually pay for the piece of paper so I could print it out and be like, yes, this is my special piece of paper. But anyways, I took this one during COVID. Like I was online a lot during COVID. I think a lot of us were. And so this just kept popping up in my feed of like suggested things to do. And I thought, well, why not? I like learning. This seems like an easy way to do it. And it's probably relevant during COVID because I felt like I was not doing well. I don't know about you guys. Maybe COVID was like the best time of your life, uh, but it was not the best time of my life. So I took this course. So this is the disclaimer. I am not a mental health expert. And particularly when I presented, like, I feel like I'm doing a lot better now that the world is back to like the way I remember it being. But certainly the first time I presented this course, I was like, guys, I'm just trying I'm trying hard, this is probably gonna work for me, but I'm not the mental health expert. Now, why does this course exist? Because people are not very happy anymore. If, if you look at the data, like over the decades, we're getting less and less happy. Um, and particularly for this course, they're looking at the well-being and happiness of college students, university students, and they wanna help them. Also, the professor admittedly is like, guys, I guess I'm not really happy also if I look at the metrics, so let's look at what does make people happy. So these things, um, the things in the course, it's social science, so I know how some scientists feel about that, but it is like researched. It's not just like anecdotal. There is research behind all of this stuff. And it's important because it affects things like public policy. Right? So if people are like, hey, guess what? Bike riding makes you happy, then maybe they would like fix bike riding infrastructure. So this is the neat thing about this course is every week there's something called a a rewirement. So it's like your homework, but it's not homework because every week in the course they present a different thing that's going to make you happier. And then you have to do it. You have to do that thing for that week and track your happiness. So before you even start any of these rewirements, you take all these base level, they're like surveys on how are you doing. So, and then you measure again at the end. So, I mean, it is, you know, somewhat subjective because it's just yourself you're measuring. So at the very beginning, and this is where this comes in, like the act of happiness, like I can't make you happy. She talked a lot about this. It's the 
Did you guys ever watch G.I. Joe? I never watched it either. But I do remember this, where at the very end, it was like, these things like don't go run in traffic or whatever, it was like some helpful thing, right? And it would go, knowing is half the battle. Like, if you know not to run in traffic, you probably won't do it. So it turns out that's not true with happiness. Just knowing these things actually does not make you any happier at all. You could know all of this stuff about being happier, but you won't be happier unless you do the things. So... She talked quite at length about that because it's pretty important. Yeah, knowing is half the battle. False. It is not half the battle. Okay, so I think this is the crux of it, is that knowing something doesn't change your behavior. And if you want to change your behavior, you have to change your habits. You can't just learn stuff. That's too bad because I really like learning stuff and thinking that that will uh, change my life for the better but it doesn't so this this first week was your baseline measurement and there was also this one about personality strengths because they talk later in the course about how like sometimes we have this idea not just ourselves but society that you like you have strengths and weaknesses and you should focus on those weaknesses and making them better but actually that doesn't make you happier (laughs) You should find your strengths and just do more of your strengths. So, like, if your weakness is, like, uh, being racist or something, I'm not saying ignore that, right? (laughs) Um, Right? So, clear distinction, but don't don't focus all your strengths on your weaknesses because it's actually not going to make you happier. Focus on your strengths. Um... Yeah, and it was, a, it was a good quiz, not just a BuzzFeed quiz, even though those are also fun. If you're watching the podcast, there is a meme up here of uh, Scrooge McDuck diving into a pool of money, and it says first you get a swimming pool full of money, then you dive into it, because like, wouldn't that make us happy, right? Uh, in fact, I had this really interesting conversation with a kid in grade 9 last week who re- just refuses to do any schoolwork, flat-out refusal, because it doesn't teach you about economics. And, and what he means is the only thing that you need to learn about in school is how to make money. Because money makes you happy. And anybody else who says anything different is lying. Like, this is just, just what he said in his grade 9 wisdom, right? So I, like, mildly tried to change his perspective on this because there's only so far you can get. Um, <clears throat> but, but this is a really pervasive idea that if we have money we will just be happy. We can buy what we want to be happy. Okay? And to some extent, that's true. Okay? But we cap out. These are old statistics, and they're American statistics, but they say like you need about $75,000 a year. You need to meet those basic needs. And after that, any more money doesn't make you any happier at all. Okay? So these are the things that we think will make us happy. A good job. Turns out that doesn't make you happy. You can have the best job in the world where you're finally teaching four courses that you always wanted to do. Won't make you happy. Money. Money doesn't make you happy. Sorry, that's the other flip side. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, Like, awesome stuff is great, but it doesn't make you happy either. They tracked people over a 20-year period. Um, and looking at like what they have and, and did it make them happy and it only made them happy for like 
1%. Like the very beginning when they got it, it made them happier and then it dipped down right away. And the more stuff you have, the happier you are not. Uh, true love. This is a really sad one. People think if they find true love, they'll be happy. Not true. It's the same thing. You are the happiest, like, right before, like, if marriage is our, our metric of happiness, which totally different discussion. But if it is, you're the happiest right before you get married and right after. And then it's like, you might as well just have been the same as before anyways. So true love does not make you happier. Good body. Ooh, sad, sad. Losing weight actually makes you statistically sadder. <laughs> so that's not going to make you happy either. Um, that's another one where they track people's happiness as they were before, during, and after weight loss. And it didn't make you happier. It made you happier in the beginning when you like first started to lose weight. Your happiness shot up. And then the more weight you lost and the closer you got to your goal, the less happy you became. And this one is... Even once you achieve your goal, what's next? Yeah, what's next? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good grades. But this one like is less relevant for us, but for the students in this course, um, good grades only make you a tiny bit happier. But interestingly, when you, get, when you get bad grades, you actually don't get less happy. Because that's what you would think, right? You'd think, I'm failing a course. My life is over. I'm going to be so sad. No. Apparently, no. You're the same amount happy whether you fail or not. Yeah, and if they look at the people in the 1940s, the people in the 1940s had less material wealth but they were way happier. So they had a whole bunch of less of that stuff. There weren't as good jobs, less money, less stuff, less true love. I mean, it was like during the war, but they were actually way happier. So what did they have? Oh, I'm trying to think, what was the rewirement that week? Oh, was savoring and gratitude. Okay, so savoring was this exercise where you had to approach everything as though it was like, the one unique time experiencing this. So like this, this happens often in mindfulness workshops or training where it's like you take this piece of chocolate and you just, yeah. Right. And you just let it melt on your tongue and you, you breathe in and out and just think about how amazing this chocolate is. Right. Um, but what actually makes you happier than just you eating that chocolate is sharing it. So two people have chocolate. And you understand how much you're enjoying this, but that it's a shared joy, right? And actually, even if you don't have the chocolate, but you know that experience and you give that chocolate to someone else, even if it's not for real, even if you just imagine giving someone else chocolate, it makes you happier, which is wild. Like, that's crazy. You don't need to buy that chocolate. You don't, even, you don't need to consume it. You just think of someone else enjoying it. Uh, and the gratitude, well, there's, uh, we've, we talk, I think, a lot about this in the religious community, and they reference that in this course, but this idea of a gratitude practice, I have secretly brought it into what we do a lot of the time. So we, we don't sit down and do, like, a formal grace at the table, but very often, and now I'm giving away my secrets, very often I'll just sit there and say, I'm so happy to be with you all. I'm glad we're at this table together. Isn't it great we get to share food? And then we eat, or whatever it is, right? But this practice of gratitude. Um, so in the course, you had to keep a gratitude journal for a week. So 
I'm trying to remember the exact numbers, but I think that they say if you write down three things a day that you're grateful for for 21 days, your happiness shoots way up. So it's just taking that moment to think, what are you grateful for? And it can be anything, right? It can be, I'm grateful that the snow was melting and I didn't slip on the sidewalk, you know? Or great big things. I'm glad the NDP got voted in. That made me very happy. <laughs> okay, week, week three. Why do we mispredict what makes us happy? Because we're really bad at this. Humans think all these things that are going to make us happy, but they don't actually make us happy. <clears throat> so, number one, we don't think in absolutes. We're always using refer reference points. So... This is kind of like this idea of losing weight, right? We think that we can put a number on something and then we can achieve it and we'll be happy, but our reference points are always moving, right? If one time, you know, we think I need a raise of X amount of dollars, then you get that X amount of dollars, but your, then your reference point changes and that's no longer enough, okay? So statistically, for every $1 raise you receive, you actually want... 40 more cents after that. It like instantly is no longer enough. You're like, oh, okay, now I've, I've made it, but actually I just want more now. And social comparisons, this is huge because of social media, I think, right? So social comparisons is that we're, we don't really think inwardly of what would make us happy. We think if I see other people being happy, then clearly if I do or have what they do or have, then I'll be happy, right? And so that, that changes your reference point depending on who or what you're looking at. And so if we go back in time to about the 1960s or 70s in this, like, uh, you know, suburban utopia that they like to paint the picture of, most people made relatively the same amount of money. They mostly had the same amount of things. And the people being displayed on TV kind of looked like the same, right? So people, people were mostly happy with what they had. But now, like, I can go on right now and see what Kim Kardashian has. And then my reference points are blown out of the water, right? Like, I make over that threshold of what I should be happy, but I don't make Kim Kardashian money, right? And the more you see of that, the more your reference points are just, like, they're destroyed, right so the happy the like one of the biggest first things you can do to make yourself happy which i have not done but i do say every time is get rid of all your social media and if you got rid of all your social media you would instantly be way happier i don't find that realistic for me because i find it's a way i connect with people but i do try to carefully curate what's in my social media and i think for a lot of people that's maybe more realistic so I don't have Kim Kardashian in my feed. <laughs> I have people that make fun of Kim Kardashian in my feed. <laughs> and I try to watch myself. Like, if I'm, if I'm scrolling for a really long time and I catch myself in that loop, I think, what am I looking at? And how many images have I seen that are unrealistic? And even just knowing the people that I connect with on social media, you often don't post the worst things. Sometimes you do. But you, you really often don't post the mundane things, and most of our life is made of mundane things all the time, right? Like doing the laundry. 
And if you take a picture of the laundry, you're like, oh, that's great, one second, it's done. No, that laundry takes a lot more than one second. It takes, like, my whole life. <laughs> like, it never ends. It's going to be laundry Yeah, yeah, it might be. And, and if you die, you're probably going to leave laundry for someone else yes, to do. Exactly. Your laundry. Like, it, it just never ends, right? So if someone dies, we know that's what we need to do for each other. Yeah, each other's laundry? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, I mean, it's really insidious because it's not only us making choices about what we post that skews everybody else's comparison. But the algorithms take over that, right? Because they show you what's going to be the most exciting thing to see, right? Downward comparisons. I'm sure you guys have all done this. It's like the guilty pleasure when you look at someone who's doing worse than you and you're like, oh, at least I'm not doing that badly, right? Um, but they, they don't actually make us that happy either. They make you like a tiny bit happy. So maybe like give yourself a small indulgence every so often. Uh, this week was kindness and social connection. So the kindness one was like this standard random acts of kindness thing, but specifically planning out what you were going to do. So it's not really a random act of kindness for you. You think about what are you going to do. I don't know if I can remember what I did because this was a little while ago, but one thing in the course they did is they, they gave people gift cards to give away in a study. And they're like, here's, here's $5 for coffee. Go get coffee on campus. And then they're like, actually, wait a minute, sorry, no, you have to give that away to somebody else. And when they thought they were getting a $5 gift card for themselves, yes, they were happy. But when they found out that they had to give it away to someone else, they actually got happier. So this idea of doing something, something for somebody else, this kindness, will make you happier. That doesn't mean to say don't take care of yourself. Like, obviously, take care of yourself. Um... But take care of each other. Social connection, I do remember what I did. I was running a lot because I had time during COVID. And I thought, every single person I see on this run, I don't care about how awkward I'm going to feel. I'm going to say hi, or I'm going to wave, and I'm going to look them in the eyeballs. (laughs) Which is like, sometimes, you know, we don't always like doing that. But I remember one person I saw, and this was like clearly a teenager that some parent had like kicked them out of the house not like bad kicked out but just like get out of my house you have to shower you have to get fresh air and they had like every piece of dark clothing on that they could find and their hood was up and they had earphones on and so I saw them like really far away and I'm running and I start to wave at them and they're like looking at me but (laughs) yeah right but I'm just looking cheery I'm I, I don't like I know I don't look like a real big scary stranger (laughs) when I'm like out for my run and so I keep waving and this person keeps like I want to just ignore this person but I'm just like making myself unignorable right and I'm just waving and looking at them and then I get close and the person goes like yes I got them to smile (laughs) because like when you smile even if you don't feel happy before you smile those mirror neurons like they're going to make you happy at least in part right like i got them um and then of course that made me feel happier oh this was an interesting thing miss wanting why do we want all the wrong things this is a fun phrase to throw out at your next party hedonic adaptation 
So <clears throat> our minds are designed to adapt over time. I'm just reading this out to to our situation, okay? So we adapt to what makes us happy and it makes us less happy. Your reference points get reset. Okay, so maybe a good example of this is you go out for dinner and you've been like waiting to go to this restaurant you really want to go to and you're really looking forward to it. And then you go there and you eat this food and you're like, okay, that was great. But there must be something better than that, right? Because there always must be something better. This is probably like a survival strategy, right? Like, oh, that leaf looked and tasted good, but maybe there's a better leaf out there to eat or whatever it is, you know? Pig tasted pretty good, but what does lava taste like? Oh, who knows, right? Um, but you no longer want that thing that you first wanted, right? So it's not no longer going to make you as happy as it did that very first time. Like your first time is, is the happiest and then your reference points get reset. And the impact bias. We overestimate emotional impact in intensity and duration. So we think that whatever that thing is we want, we think that it's going to make us way happier than it does for way longer than it does. And then when we achieve it, maybe like we said that losing that weight, it makes, it doesn't, makes us like a little bit happy, but we think it's going to make us way happy for a super long time and we're just happy for a tiny little bit so understanding these things that you're not going to be as happy for as long or as much as you estimate can really help you when you do plan goals or think about what is going to make you happy okay week four this was one of my favorite weeks because i'm skipping to the end and i'm seeing that i got to sleep more <laughs> sleep makes you really happy that's harder to do now like for me personally now that life is like back to normal you know there's so many things that that need my attention and time that I find it hard to make enough sleep um, if you want to know more about sleep there was a fantastic book I read about I think his name is Matt Walker and I think it's called The Science of Sleep. Sleep is really, really important. It's so important. So I got to sleep more that week. And exercise more that week. It was a good week. Like, even after reading that book, I plan my flu shot differently this year. Because the amount of sleep you have affects your immune response. So if you're not well-rested before you get your flu shot, or well-rested after, like, you might as well not even get that flu shot. You don't... It... it can impact you as well so I was like okay I'm getting my flu shot up this day I have to sleep for like three days leading up to it and then sorry I'm just gonna have to leave that laundry and go to sleep tonight because I had my flu shot okay so the actual that not the requirement that the content of week four was how and why of overcoming wellness biases so these are the things that we think will make us happy and then they don't so we talked about hedonic adaptation and impact biases. So this is one of these things where it's like knowing is half the battle because knowing it will help to change the behavior and the habits. So we need to rethink our awesome stuff. Instead of thinking these things will make me happy, it's more about these experiences making you happier. 
and not even having the experiences, but sometimes just planning the experiences. So if you plan a vacation, if you look at what hotels you're going to book, what cities you're going to visit, but you never actually go there, you will still be happier than if you never planned this imaginary vacation. So if you don't have money for a vacation, you can plan an imaginary vacation and make yourself happier than you were before. So instead of thinking about, oh, I, you know, all my friends are going to these tropical vacations and I can't go, plan one. You don't have to go. You'll still be happier. Plan your experiences, rewards. Uh, I'm thinking that this one was like, you know, when you're like, I, I keep going back to this losing weight one. I don't know why. I don't think there's a reason for that. I just, I'm going back to it. But it's like, sometimes you set it up like, if I lose five pounds, then I can have that piece of chocolate cake. But that's still a thing, right? So it's shifting like, if I, if I get this goal, if I achieve this thing, then I can go out dancing with my friends. It's more about the experiences rather than the things. Yeah, and it makes, it makes people around you happier because usually your experiences are involving other people. Savor it as if it's your last day and then talk about your experience with a real person. So in the course, I remember doing this when I went on a bike ride and, and I was thinking, if this was the last bike ride I ever had in my whole life, right? Like some, some catastrophic accident, I could no longer ride a bike. What would I, what would I want to remember of this bike ride? Right. And then just letting all of your senses sort of take over. I would want to remember what it felt like to keep my balance. I would want to remember what those leaves smelled like. I would want to remember what the sunlight looked like and just opening it up to it's more than just this, this experience that I get to have all the time if suddenly it becomes the last time. But I think that's a really easy thing we can bring into a lot of experiences in life. Talk about your experience with another person. This is another really big one too because you remember things in a different way when you talk with people. You can remember those details. And by reliving it, those same neurons are firing. So the ones that made you happy for that bike ride on the first time, like me telling you about it right now, I'm experiencing that happiness again. It's right there with me again. Reset your reference points. That's another really good one too. So if there's some sort of goal you're trying to achieve or something you're working toward, trying to remember what it was like before you achieved that. Because we often really... It's like the rose-colored glasses, right? We think it was better before than it was or worse than, than it was before. So sometimes writing it down will help or just really concretely remembering uh, what was it like before you had this thing that you thought would make you happy and then maybe you're experiencing that little bump for just a little bit of time because you think it was better before but actually it is way better now you're just forgetting interrupt your consumption is the one that I love to do pause and return to something you enjoy so for me this simple one that I do all the time is I'm watching a TV show I really really love and I stop it halfway through Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Because the thing that makes you the happiest is the anticipation and the very beginning. So if you interrupt it, you're getting that again. You take that really good piece of chocolate, you break it in half, and you only eat half. 
and then you go for a walk or fold out laundry and then you eat the other half because you're experiencing more of those little bumps throughout your day okay and and it can be painful the first few times you stop that tv show halfway through but it's great spread out all the things you enjoy so that's sort of like that right you spread out all those little things throughout your day instead of leaving them when you're like i'm gonna do all the horrible things i hate i'm gonna do all the dishes i'm gonna mow the lawn fold the laundry and then i get to do all the great things does not make you as happy as sprinkling them out throughout your day you get way happier the other way and then i've jumped already to exercise and sleep i didn't talk much about exercise but that's huge like when they look at the effects of medication for depression, anxiety, and they look at the effects of exercise, usually exercise is a bit higher. Now, this is where I'm like really going to remind you I'm not a healthcare professional and I have no right to tell you what to do with a medical professional and your happiness. Um, but the studies would indicate that exercise is just as, if not more, impactful than most of our medication out there. Which is also a funny thing this kid in grade 9 said. He's like, well, and also if you're depressed, you just make some money and buy antidepressants, which is happiness in a bottle. And I was like, oh, no. I'm sorry, grade 9 kid. You've got lots to work on. That's okay. They're in grade 9. So I'm just giving you a, t- a chance to look at this and for me to read it over. But for the benefit of the people in the podcast, this slide is um, an infographic about hedonic adaptation trap so at the top is like the thing you desire an arrow you get it an arrow you adapt so like you reset your reference points you have this thing now and then an arrow to unhappy you're no longer happy with what you got so you have to want a new thing and I see a lot of capitalism in here right I see a lot of consumerism of I want those shoes I get those shoes I'm just used to having those shoes every day they don't make me happy anymore I need new shoes I I can't remember if this is later in the presentation, but they do talk actually about neighbors and cars. And so they did this other one where they were were like, oh, surprise, your whole neighborhood won a lottery, but half of you get new cars and the other half of you don't. And the people that got new cars were like, yeah. And the people that live beside them were like, we're so happy for you. But then in the end, the people that got the new cars ended up being less happy than the people that didn't get new cars. Like, it's wild. These things don't, they don't make us happy. The course is like very front heavy with like all these things that don't make us happy. So week five moves into what does make us happy. And some of these things you've already done in the rewirement. So being kind and not just performing acts of kindness, but thinking about other ones you've done in the past will still, it's again, it's that remembering will bring some of that happiness back. Like kindness doesn't cost anything, right? Which is maybe the point of it connecting with others i i often feel like oh i don't have time to like go out and do all these things that i wish i could go out to a movie with friends or whatever it is but it's not just those deep connections it's those really simple social situations as well like when you go to the grocery store talking with the talking with the cashier right um and it doesn't actually matter what you talk about you can talk about anything maybe not racism don't be a racist (laughs) but just just having those really simple connections is huge it makes you way happier but also you're spreading that happiness right valuing time use your time for things that actually make you happy so 
the laundry does not make me happy. But I have to think about what does make me happy, right? So even when I'm doing that laundry, I can be thinking, I'm like in a dry, safe house. And that's making me happy. Bringing in those senses, hey, this laundry smells great. It doesn't smell like the pile of dirty clothes it was before. <laughs> Meditation. Uh, this one is huge. I, I think I've, I have like the hardest time with this one. Not invaluing it, but actually doing it. So our minds are not designed for how we live right now, right? More or less, we live these really easy to survive lives, but our minds are designed for survival as just like as the animals that we are, right? So our minds are constantly looking for threats to keep us safe, right? And that's making us very unhappy because by and large, we don't have huge threats that are going to kill us. So we invent these threats, right? And that's making us very, very unhappy. So what do we do? We meditate. And that default network that looks for things that are going to kill you, you just sort of calm it down. Um, and then if you, if you learn to calm it down while you're meditating, then its base level just sort of shifts. You like recalibrate. So like if you're finding yourself really unhappy, you can, sometimes it's just like looking at that list and you're like, what am I, what am I going to do? Do I need to go for a walk or do I need to sleep? And understanding that those are not like small and indulgence is not the right word, but sometimes I feel like I'm sloughing off the more important things. Like sleep is not that important. I'm going to be happier if I do this other thing, but no sleep is what I need or Am I just feeling like the world's kind of like a garbage place right now? Because sometimes we just like see garbage, like literal and figurative garbage all around, right? And maybe I just need to spread some kindness, you know? This school that I work at right now, there's been a lot of fights lately, which is new for me because junior high fights are like actual fights. People actually get hurt. And so sometimes you can see that stuff and you're like, oh no, like... Kids are so messed up. They're beating each other up. Oh, this is so horrible. But you can still smile at everybody in the hallway. And you can still say good morning. And that's going to make you happy as well. So the requirement that week was meditation and a gratitude visit. This was actually the hardest thing in the whole course was the gratitude visit. So the gratitude visit was the very hardest thing for me. <clears throat> you have to think about somebody who's really impacted your life for the positive and then like you write down how and why and then you contact them and you say thank you and it's so emotional it's so hard to look at these people and be like you've made a difference in my life i wouldn't be where i am without you these are the great things you did for me because we often don't say these things uh you know we're very we're very guarded right that fear of rejection is huge even with people that have made huge impacts but that was it was by and far the one that I will remember the, the most can you want the things that don't make you happy yes you can still want them you can still want a boat <laughs> I know I know you can you can still want a good job and this is where we sort of talked about those strengths it's want that good job but not one that makes you rich or powerful, one that is fulfilling for you. One 
one that uses your strengths, one that you go home at the end of the day and you feel like you made a difference. And that may or may not make you rich or powerful, but wanting the rich or powerful won't make you happy. Good grades, this is specifically for the students in the course. This is not really in this course at all, but the fixed mindset, growth mindset is really big in education. This idea that you are, there are smart kids and dumb kids and you, you're one or the other versus the neuroplasticity of if I work hard, I will get smarter, which is the truth of the matter. You can work yourself smarter. So you can still want good grades, but don't focus on the grade itself. Focus on the work it takes to get there because that's the work you're putting into yourself. And that's way more valuable than a grade. Because as we learn, grades don't actually make you happier. Week six, but how can we chase these things? So it's, this is the part also where it shifts from like knowing is half the battle. So we've learned what doesn't make us happy and why. What does make us happy and why. But how do you do it? You have to design your environment and your people to help you. So a really good example of this is like if you want to eat less candy, don't put a dish of candy on your work desk. Right? <laughs> oh, but like... Maybe put it in your... Wow, okay. If that's your goal, fine. But if your goal is to eat less candy, don't put the candy on your desk, right? Put it in the desk. Put it on a high shelf. Or don't buy it, right? Design your environment so it's easy for you to do the things you want to do. If you want to go exercise more, when you go to bed, put your running shoes in front of the door so you can't leave the house without looking at them first. Do these things to get your environment to make you do these things or to help you not do them. Goal setting. There was a really interesting one. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of SMART goals. I hate SMART goals so much. <laughs> so, so the SMART goal is an acronym. Um, your goal has to be specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and you have to put a time frame on it or else you're not going to do it. And like we, in the education world, we write SMART goals for like six-year-olds to help them like tie their shoes or whatever it is that they need to do. Um, appropriate touching of peers. Here's your SMART goal. <laughs> um, but like that's a lot of work to make a SMART goal. And does it actually work? I don't know. It looks like this other thing called WHOOP works a whole lot better. So a WHOOP is your wish, your outcome, your obstacle, and your plan. So. So really specifically, if you look at your obstacle, what is going to get in the way of your goal? That's way more helpful than like zeroing in on the goal itself because you, you know there's going to be obstacles, but how will you deal with them? And if you plan how you're going to deal with them ahead of time, you will be way more successful. I did read Atomic Habits. It's a good book if you haven't read it. It talks a lot about how to change habits to, to get the life that that you're looking for, the life that's going to make you happier. It's an easy read, too. Sure. Uh, the mystery rewirement was another great rewirement. It was to pick one of the other rewirements and just do it again. So pick your favorite one, do it again. Social commitment. This is something that I brought in. Um, after this course, I committed to writing a poem a day for like a year and it extended to about two and a half years but I I put them online so that I would have like that social pressure of like okay 
it's out there. Now if I don't do it, people will see. And I missed a few days. It wasn't perfect, but having people know you're working towards a goal really increases your success. So, you know, you want, you want to meditate more, tell people that you're working on it, and then they'll, they'll casually be asking, how's your meditation going? And you're like, ah, oh, not so great. Maybe I'll do it again tonight. Um, environment and behavior, we kind of talked about that one before. Your mindset, to appreciate the progress you have made so far, that is important. If you, I think in this one they talked about if you're running a race, if you're at the beginning of the race and you think about how far you have left to go, it's really discouraging. But if you think about how far you've come, you're like, okay, but I've already made it some distance. And the farther you go on that race, it's sort of, there's a point where it shifts and you have to think, look at, I only have this much left to go. But knowing when to make that shift yourself can be very big. In conclusion, it works, but you have to do some of the work, right? So you can't think your way into happiness. You have to do these things. And you're probably doing a lot of these things already. I feel like in this community especially, we talk about and do a lot of these things already. But maybe just thinking about it more intentionally. And maybe you want to try some new things. Maybe you saw something new in here. I really enjoyed the course. So if you like you know, taking courses for fun... I recommend it. And there's like, there is a time limit, but you can just reset your time limit like indefinitely. So you can, this course, you could take it over like 10 years maybe if Coursera is still around. Uh, the feedback was there for the other people, but I think we're going to like maybe move into feedback like if you, if you all have questions or something, and that's it. <laughs>